I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You are listening to Flop Culture, a podcast all about our favourite, and sometimes not favourite, flops. I'm your host, Fanula. I hope you're well. I really hope you enjoyed last week's episode on Mean Girls 2. What a film. What a piece of cinema. What a piece of art. Thanks again to Zainab for joining me for that one. If you haven't listened, please go catch up. Um, It's a good laugh. If nothing else, it's a good laugh. Very busy week in the world of pop culture and entertainment, so let's get into the news. We got our Oscar nominations this week for the 2024 Academy Awards. They are taking place on March 10th. It's a Sunday in Los Angeles. Jimmy Kimmel is back hosting for a fourth time. It's going to be on slightly earlier over in the US. It's starting at 7 p.m., Uh, Eastern Standard Time, so we don't have to stay up as late to watch it. That's good, isn't it? Should you you choose to do it? That's brilliant. Lots of nominations, mainly for Oppenheimer and Poor Things. Oppenheimer cleaning up 13 nominations. We've got, you know, Killian Murphy, Best Actor. Probably will get it. Robert Downey Jr., Supporting Actor. Probably will get it. Supporting Actress, Emily Blunt. Not really sure. Director, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan has never won an Oscar before, despite being nominated loads and loads of times. He'll definitely take home something. He's nominated for Best Director, Best Picture, and Best Adapted Screenplay. He'll definitely get at least one of them. Oppenheimer also up for Best Costume Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Film Editing, Best Sound, and Best Cinematography. Um, And as I mentioned, Poor Things, kind of bringing up the rear, 11 nominations, 
We've got a lot of Irish talent included there. Robbie Ryan for cinematography, Ed Guiney and Andrew Lowe in the Best Picture category with Element Pictures for production. In terms of the acting nominations and the other nominations, Emma Stone obviously up for Best Actress. We've got Yorgos Lanthimos up for Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Mark Ruffalo. I know friend of this parish, Brian Lloyd, was saying that was kind of a little bit of a shock, but from what I've heard, still haven't seen Poor Things, I will, uh, but from what I've heard, his performance on this is absolutely brilliant. Poor Things, also up for Best Costume Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Film Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Picture. But you don't care about that. I know you don't. You want to talk about the snubs. I know you want to talk about the snubs because it's all anyone can talk about. The snub discourse this week is off the charts. Let's talk about the Barbie of it all. Let's talk about the poor Barbara of it all. Eight nominations, no mean feat, no Best Actress nomination for Margot Robbie or... Probably more shocking, if I'm being completely honest, no Best Director nomination for Greta Gerwig. Greta was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, but yeah. Snob City, Snob City for the girls. I w- okay, here's why I'll say, why, why, why I'll say Margot Robbie, the snob is like less surprising. Extremely, extremely competitive category this year. And I feel like it's going to be, if it's not going to be Lily Gladstone, which I think it will be for, uh, I was about to say Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Killers of the Flower Moon. If it's not Lily Gladstone, it's going to be Emma Stone for Poor Things. Um, the Greta is the big surprise. Now I will say, not to, not to toot my own horn here, because it's tooting my horn in a way that's like, not great for women, you know, and it's not really, but whatever. Based on the previous award ceremonies and how Barbie has kind of been, I feel like there was a thing where it's like, of course Barbie will be embraced by the awards. Of course, of course, whatever. We've seen it kind of be left out in a lot of major categories this entire award season. And the Oscars were coming up and I was kind of like, I don't think it's going to be recognised in the way people want it to. I said this, I'm on record saying this. I was like, and it's not that I think that it should be left out. I think you have to take into account the box office achievements, like over a billion at the box office, right? Generally, critically, very beloved. I loved it a lot. I think so much of it worked so well. I think this film will stand the test of time. I'm open to correction on that. However, if you were just to base it on the past award seasons, it kind of hasn't been embraced as wholly as I think people thought it was. So the Oscar nominations are going up and I said, you know what? I'm not sure about this. I think it's definitely going to be up for songs and stuff like that, which we'll talk about in a second. I wasn't really sure about the acting categories. I was like, Ryan Gosling, probably, but also not sure. You know, the Oscars are weird about what they favour and what they don't. Ryan Gosling does end up getting a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Again, is he going to get that? Don't know. I kind of think it's Robert Downey Jr.'s to lose. At the same time, I don't know. I don't know. They could go totally the other way and give to Ryan Gosling. In a way now, I'm like, will any of that happen because of the backlash, right? Ryan Gosling, best supporting actor. Another surprise, I will say, America Ferreira in the best supporting actress category. And I will say, again, I reacted in a way that wasn't very supportive of women when I heard this. You know what I mean? I, I think the automatic reaction is... I don't know. Like, I think people were a bit cross about her because in some ways, America's character, Gloria, obviously isn't Barbie in the titular Barbie. Why isn't the titular Barbie nominated? The thing is, and this is my argument again initially, where I was like, it was the writing. Anyone could have delivered that monologue. Do you know what? 
That's not true. Not anyone could have delivered that monologue. And I'm going to eat my own words and say that. And I think also a Latina actress, I think to take away from her moment, I think you can still be mad about the other things, which I am. But like, let's support our girl. You know what I mean? Let's support our girl, Ugly Betty. I cannot wait to do that at some point on Flop Culture. Bop Culture, more like, probably I'd be on Patreon. But yeah, I think let's focus our ire where it's supposed to be. But don't. Don't take it away from America Ferrer because she's bloody delighted with her nomination, as I'll talk about in a second. Uh, but just to get to Barbie's other nominations, two Best Original Song nominations, I'm Just Ken and What Was I Made For? Dance the Night Away, Dua Lipa, Found Rotting, sorry. I think What Was I Made For will get it because it's more Oscar-y. Best Screenplay, Best Costume Design, Production Design and Best Picture, as I mentioned. So Barbie could still take home a few gongs. As I said, the actors themselves have been reacting. Ryan Gosling was very thankful for his nomination, but also expressed disappointment over Greta Gerwig's non-nomination and same with Margot Robbie. He said, I'm extremely honoured to be nominated by my colleagues alongside such remarkable artists in a year of so many great films. And I never thought I'd be saying this, but I'm also incredibly honoured and proud that it's for portraying a plastic doll named Ken. But there is no Ken without Barbie and there is no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history-making, globally celebrated film. No recognition would be possible for anyone on the film without their talent, grit and genius. To say I'm disappointed that they are not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement. Against all odds, with nothing but a couple of soulless, scantily clad and thankfully crotchless dolls, they made us laugh, they broke our hearts, they pushed the culture and they made history. Their work should be recognised along with the other very deserving nominees. Having said that, I am so very happy, I'm so happy for America Ferreira, excuse me, and the other incredible artists who contributed their talents to making this such a groundbreaking film. America spoke to Variety. She said there was a moment where I wasn't sure if I'd made it up and then my phone started blowing up so I figured that I must have heard right. Still haven't been able to get in my feelings because I'm still on like the top layer of I can't believe that this is real. She was obviously asked about Greta and Margot's non-nominations in uh, acting and the directing categories respectfully. And America said I was incredibly disappointed that they weren't nominated, which I think is the general consensus I wonder, will it be talked about on the night itself? Will anyone make references? Will anyone not? Will any of these win now? I still think song is a definite and then after that, who knows? I think Barbie could take costume design and then, I don't know, I think Killian Murphy is going to take Best Actor for Oppenheimer now. That's all I'm sure of. And how can I be even sure? You know what I mean? She's not a psychic girl, but if I was a betting woman, that's, I think, where I'd be. I'd be putting my bobs. Where were you when Normani released the song Motivation? Because it, for me, it's like a, a history, a moment in history, a moment of discourse, a moment of being on the timeline, being like, something's happening here. Y'all, I hear something and it slaps. And it was Normani's motivation. And then we heard nothing for, we're in 2024 and we still don't have Normani album. Apparently, apparently, apparently it's coming this year. And it's, Literally the best music she's ever made, okay? So she was at the Sundance Film Festival. She's promoting Freaky Tales, a film that she's in that I know absolutely nothing about, but good for her. Will literally do anything by release music. She's on the red carpet, Deadliner chatting to her, and Deadliner like, what else are you working on? When's the album coming out? Is the album coming out this year? And Normani's like, yeah, girl, I want this album to come out just as bad as you do. 
I think that's like such a misconception. I want this project to come out more than literally anybody. But it's literally the best music I've ever made. And I could be more proud. And I know that once it comes out, you guys are going to be like, yeah, the wait was worth it. I know, Rani, I hate to say it right, but fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me thrice, can you please don't, don't do that again. Fool me thrice, I need you to stop because I'm getting upset now, right? Because, because she has been talking about this album since time immemorial, since... Normani came out of the womb talking about this album. That's, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, right? And I believe it. We have it now. She's on record. She said it's coming out 2024. Not that that's ever stopped her before, right? Because in 2021, at the Soul Train Awards, she said she was planning on releasing the record later that year. She said, summer's going to be lit. Summer wasn't lit, okay? Because we had a pandemic and we didn't have a Normani album, right? Then she's on the Ellen DeGeneres show, Cursed. Oh, it was Sierra was actually hosting that day, so Ellen wasn't there. Perfect. So she's talking about that album and she says, the record's almost done. Okay, what happened to Summer Being Lit? Fair enough. The album doesn't come out in 2022. Okay. So when are we getting it? We're getting it this year? Okay, I believe when I see it. And it needs to be good. You know what I mean? No pressure, no money, my gal, but there's a lot riding on this. My mental health, predominantly. What do we think? Are we getting a Normani album this year? What do we want from a Normani album? Is she going to bother now? Like... Do you want to be coming up against Ariana Grande? I don't know. If that's the case, we're not getting it till after March. We're not getting it anywhere near close to March. I'll tell you that right now. Maybe this summer's going to be lit. Maybe when she said summer's going to be lit, in fairness, she didn't say which summer. Maybe she meant summer 2024. Who knows? We'll see. Let me know what you think. Hello, flopculture at gmail.com. And we're obviously on social media at flopculture underscore pod. Right, that's enough of that. Let's talk flops. Often compared to William Golding's 1954 book, Lord of the Flies, the society explored the lives of teenagers left alone in their small town following the disappearance of all adults. The high schoolers of West Ham faced plenty of drama in the season, but the real drama came after when the show was cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Viewers created a change.org petition asking Netflix to renew the series and spoke about their desire to watch another season on social media to no avail, which begs the question... Where could this story possibly have gone? Joining me to discuss The Society is assistant producer of Crime World and producer of Beast, the murder of Norshian, Clodomini. Enjoy. Clodagh, you are so welcome to Flop Culture. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled, right? And I think this is an interesting one because I'd never heard of the show and I went into it... What's the word? Like, slightly nervous because I wasn't sure if I was going to be fully on board. Okay. But I am and we'll get into it. So what did you pick for your flop? I picked The Society. So it's a Netflix show that only had, sadly, only had one season. And what a season it was. Like, it's just, for anyone who's not familiar, can you explain the premise of the show? So the show basically starts with there's like these kids in a small American town. It's very picturesque and it's in New England. And basically there's a smell in the town, right? And they, there's this argument that they're like, oh my God, the smell is back, the smell is back. So, you know, there's these shots of um, 
their parents kind of trying to sort it out. One of the parents is a mayor and they're speaking to this guy. Um, and what happens is they end up saying to the kids, or saying to the parents, you know, we'll take the kids out of town away to the mountains to get a break from the smell. But what happens is there's like a storm and they're all asleep on the buses. There's like a load of buses and they come back to the town. They wake up and they're like, sorry, there was a storm. We're back home. They get off the buses and they're like can't find anyone there's nobody there to meet them there's no cell reception they can't get a hold of anyone and all the adults are gone it's incredible it's just it's so okay because I'm going to be honest right they obviously have a lot of work to do in the first episode because you're introducing all of these teenagers and all their personalities and the different relationships they have or potentially don't like who likes who who doesn't like who and the the kind of hierarchies and stuff like that. So initially I was a bit like, oh, I don't know about this. And then you get to episode three when they're in the midst of rebuilding their world and yeah. re- and building a society, hence the title, and shit starts hit the fan. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so much more. That It is a teen drama, but yeah. like it's so much more than that. And even thematically, what it covers is so strong yeah. are you usually drawn to shows like this like are you are, were you a lost girly did you watch like this reminds me of The Leftovers which I haven't watched but I'm, it's a very similar premise but like with adults and also only around for two seasons as far as I'm aware no I've, I've never seen Lost um I mean, a lot of people compare it to Lord of the Flies as well, which I've never read. Um, Yellow Jackets is another one that gets a lot of comparisons yeah, to it. Yeah, I started Yellow Jackets and never went back to it. Did you watch Yellow Jackets? I did start it and again, couldn't go into it. I just can't do cannibalism. Fair, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a fair statement to make, you know. <laughs> I just can't do it. It just makes my skin crawl. So I was like, no, I just, I'm not doing this. Yeah. So Maybe I'll revisit it at some point. Everyone says it's very good. I'm sure I'm going to get... A few messages now being like, you need to go back to Yellow Jackets, but... Okay, but you wouldn't usually be... How, so how did you come across this then? So I actually... I think I started watching it like literally the week it came out on Netflix because I had been at home. I'd had my appendix out, so I was at home and co- literally my job was to sit on the couch for two weeks and watch television. So I found it and I started... I just binge watched it in like a day because I had nothing better to be doing um, and was just completely hooked and obsessed with the idea of... And I suppose, well, there's a murder in it. So that's like so, so on brand for me. Mm. Um, um, and I just really enjoyed how, I suppose, the whole idea of them, like, trying to make this society as well. It's very stressful. Like, I put myself into that situation so many times thinking, oh, what would I do? And I'd like to think I'd be, like, on the government or trying to do something, you know, to help them. But I'd probably just be, like, run amok. And then, I'd fully be looting. I'm going to say oh that right God, now, yeah. 100%. You leave me alone with a load of shops. Absolutely fucking loot. There isn't going to be a can of Coke Zero left. Yeah, exactly. It's like, rinsed. It's, there is a lot of that at the start as well and they, they decide that they need to, so they introduce like a mayor and they have like elections, they have a court, they have a trial. So it's very like, there's a lot of, um, I suppose, the beginnings of like them figuring out their own criminal justice system, but there's also them fi- figuring out their own political system as well. Mm. And I feel like maybe there's some sort of secret message about the Trump administration in there somehow. Like at the end, we see they kind of revolt against their mayor and there's probably some really intelligent political message in there because they're like, oh, we're going to revolt and we're going to, we don't like the rules and whatever. And like everyone's getting really angry and they're like, yeah, yeah. But then they have no real solution to the problems yeah. that are being caused. Yeah. Accusations of voter fraud. Yes. All of it. But then I wonder, is that potentially one of the reasons why it flopped and only got one season and also the fact like the release schedule in which this came out like this is a COVID casualty I feel unfortunately because I think it was I think it was shot in 2019 and then released 
uh, in 2020 or like potentially... I could have that the wrong way when released in 2019, but then you're yeah. going into a thing where we were all dealing with this thing called COVID-19. Nobody knew what that was. Not a smell, thank God, but I think, again, <laughs> other other shows have parodied it. I think it was Bob's Burgers. One of them did a parody where it was like very similar to COVID, but it was essentially this smell and everyone had to stay inside. No, sorry, as I'm saying it out loud, it's the literally the Ashling book series. There was a big <laughs> smell in uh, Ballygobbard and it was like, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I wonder if it was also just people didn't want to be watching something kind of like that and in a way they're so the whole thing is that you, as you said they go away they're on this bus they come back they're all asleep on the bus which I'm like there's no way you would have been all asleep right if we're going to yeah. poke holes in this that's one hole I will poke they come back and as you said the parents are gone they've no uh, reception they've no internet they've no contact with the outside world and the town that they're in is now suddenly covered with forest yes. so they can't even get through so there is that element of like feeling trapped and feeling caved in. The difficulty is because this was a streamer, so it was originally been pitched to Showtime, which is a network in the States. But the difficulty with it being on a streamer is we actually have no idea how many people watched. You'd imagine the numbers were decent because initially it was renewed. But then it was basically because COVID went on much longer than anyone anticipated, their argument is that the the costs were going up. So they couldn't move the show forward, even though the season ends on like the most just devastating, infuriating cliffhanger for every single character in this show. Yeah, it's really like it is, I suppose they did cancel because of COVID. But like, I don't understand why he just hasn't gone to another network. Like I was just saying this, if if I was going to write to him, the writer of the show and be like, have you thought of going to another network as if he hadn't thought of that? I'll co-sign the letter. Wait, I need to know what happens. I need to know what happens or write a book or like, please, I need to know what happens because it ends on this, can we say? Absolutely. Oh yeah, the, just FYI, this this podcast is going to spoil. If you haven't watched all episodes of Society yet, pause, make a cup of tea, go watch that and come back to us. But go yeah, speed watch spoiler, Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the end of the show, so there's this like pet dog that um, two of the characters take in, Elle and Campbell, and they take this like sheep dog into their home um, and eventually the sheep dog vanishes. So Campbell and Elle are in like this abusive, it's domestic abuse like mm. relationship and he gets rid of the dog so that she can just have him. But this dog doesn't just vanishes. We don't know where it really goes. But at the end, the last last scene is the dog appears and this adult bends down to pet the dog and is like, um, oh, where where did you come from? Why are you outside on your own? And as she goes in and she starts reading a book to children, there's a plaque on the wall and it is a, it's like a plaque in memory of the missing kids. So this is obviously a parallel universe. It's so annoying. Like what has happened? Where's Ali gone? What's going on? It's just, it's actually borderline infuriating the more that I think about it now. It's just, it's every, like we meet a lot of characters and as you said, the kind of different, you know, their different like ideals and, you know, their perspectives when it comes to running a place and stuff like that and how they're dealing with the situation in general as teenagers. Who else do we meet in this series that you kind of, you liked their arc or you found the performance particularly good? So... Grizz was probably one of my favourite characters because he kind of blends into the background for a lot of the show. Um, He is a former football player um, while he was on the high school team and he then joins the police, the the guard. So they kind of set up this, when they get a, um, a, a mayor as such, they kind of set up this 
police so so that they can police the town basically so he's on that um very unassuming but i absolutely love that he ends up kind of going out with sam who is a gay character um his best friend becca is pregnant and we don't know who the father is but that's another whole stressful scenario where they have to figure out how to birth the baby um but one of them's learning how to be a doctor i'm and they're all, they're just like we'll just figure it out i'm like what i what? know how it's incredible but so stressful, stressful. so, so Stressful. stressful. I would not be that person in that situation. I would not be offering. No. You have your man looking up about heart defects. I'm like, bitch, I'm just trying to figure out how long the food's going to last me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. nuts. It is nuts. Like, and what, like, it's just bizarre. Like, it's just nuts. It really is bizarre how they can, like, some of the stuff they end up thinking of doing is just crazy. Like, we'll get back to it, but like, one of the incidents where they go off at the beginning to go and try and find the land, like, they're looking to see if they can find a way out and somebody ends up dead, like, horrific. But Grizz and Sam end up together and Sam is starting a family with his best friend, Becca, because they don't know who the father of the baby is. Um, but I just really liked their arc, how they ended up coming together, because Sam is a brother of Campbell, who is an absolute dickhead oh the worst iconic TV villain like, like so bad he, like really could they uh, they go they explain that he's a psychopath in the show like never has there ever been a more clear depiction as to what a psychopath yeah. is, like is and who they look like it's just like L po- poisons him and he's like doesn't isn't like mad about him being poisoned he's like oh at least I know we're the exact same person he's like that's what I'd have done like it's just insane and um, there's like and there is such a big mix of characters like you do kind of see those high school tropes coming in like the nerds and the jocks and you know the, the queen bee sort of thing and then the student council of course as well um, and there's a lot of different relationships that we ha- see throughout it and I think that's the great thing like there is portrayals of mental health and portrayals of domestic abuse and there is so many important things that go on in it Um you know, homophobia, all these kind of little things are still touched on while also touching on the bigger picture of sociology and, you know, how people work with each other. Yeah, it's always touched on well and it's never ham-fisted, I feel. Yeah. Sam and Grizz, when he's like learning the sign language to try and communicate to him and he's like, will you, will you teach me the sign for I want to kiss you, whatever. I was, I was scared and I was like, I had to watch in silence because Kim was asleep. I was like, I chewed my knuckles. I was like, I'm obsessed with you. And then the whole complication of he's pretending to be the baby's father, but he's not. But like, obviously they're not letting that on. And then I'm like, who is the father? And Grizz is just trying to deal with that. And he's trying to come to terms with the fact that he's gay and he's like public out about it. And he's potentially met someone. And you have that moment earlier in the season where Sam's they're getting coming to terms with what ha- what's happening and Sam's like I'm literally going to die a virgin and <laughs> I'm like I'm never going to meet someone and I've, I have to be accepting of that like yeah. that I struggled with the dialogue in the first two episodes because again I just feel I felt in part it was kind of cheesy sometimes the writing and then you get to those kind of gorgeous moments where yeah. you're seeing people struggle with their new reality and have no idea what the future holds for them while also having these internal struggles that probably aren't as big as what's going on the wider yeah. picture like him with his identity and like wanting to be in love and kind of acknowledging he's like there is someone in this town that's gay there must be like just yeah. chances are that's how population and statistics work but there's no one here that I love and I want to be in love it was oh it it's beautiful <sighs> like it is, killed me it is um, fascinating to see how they're dealing with this bigger picture but also dealing with their own sort of struggles and like it, it, it's. I, I just think it has everything, a bit of everything. Mm. There's just so much going on in the show. But one of my favorite things, like 
I think the the tipping point in the show of like them because at the start they're like oh we know adults let's have a party let's trash the church and that's like I think a typical response probably yeah but then when they realize shit is actually going down is when they go off to look for to see how far out they can get and somebody gets bitten by a snake and dies now I will say a bit random no like what like I know we will we're, we're probably jumping ahead but like what do you because we know it ends on this massive cliffhanger yeah. and like it's told throughout that they reckon they're in a parallel universe like yeah. that's from their investigations that's what they've that's as far as they've gotten what do you think happened I really don't know I do think it is a parallel universe now the guy Pfeiffer who is the bus driver um I do think it's a play on the Pied Piper of Hamlin so it's West Ham um okay yeah, yeah. so the Pied Piper basically what happened was so they find out they they go through the off, the mayor's office and find these documents and they find out that the reason the smell came back they conclude is because the guy they paid or the guy they'd asked to take away the smell they didn't pay him properly so there's like photographs of them taken on this bus as they're leaving to go out of town like you know they're messing or whatever but in the background they see the bus driver and they realise they're like oh my god Pfeiffer that's the guy we'd seen outside the offices before we left fighting with our parents um, and Pfeiffer is a literal translation in German as Piper um, and again it's West Ham Hamlin um, so the Pied Piper of Hamlin I think he was paid to get rid of the rats in the town and then they or well he was supposed to be paid but they didn't pay him so instead he came back and like lured the children away which is kind of a parallel of what happens here and there's oh a lot of like God. yeah there's a lot of more like symbolism like Christian Bible stuff that I don't understand because I don't really know but I feel like a lot of the American audience would be like oh yeah the Bible or this story of whoever um, and they're able to get that but there's so many like uh, so much symbolism throughout the show mm. from different things um, so I reckon that's obviously part of it I think they're in a parallel universe I mean they because we can see that there is like this mirrored town. Um, but how they got there um, and how they're going to get back and how they kind of cope. Like in the last episode, they're, they're talking about how they're going to run out of food. They're not going to make it to the next year. And like, are we going to start turning on each other? Like they're like, no, we're not going to make it that far to eat each other. We're going to make it as far as we're going to start killing each other. You were like, the thank rest God, because I would never watch. Honestly, yeah, thank God, because I think if it did get to Susan two and they started eating each other, <laughs> I, I'd be bowing out. I can't do it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Oh, yeah, I... It's so frustrating just how many like open threads there are and I'm just kind of like okay we're done now you have enough money just do 
please. Do do a four episode like limited series. Yeah, like like a year in the life, like girl, girl, Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Just a little small something to yeah. tell us what the hell happened. I wonder, like I went kind of bigger conspiracy brained in that like did the did the parents did the mayor was it a trade off with the children to make the smell go away like do they know more and they're letting on and the fact that something on. horrible happened and they di- they died and they're doing the whole fake memoriam thing to let on you know what i mean yeah cuz then there was also this is where it gets confusing if you haven't watched but again i'm assuming presuming everyone has watched if they're listening there's that other uh, plotline involving kelly's one of Kelly's parents and Harry's parents, they are having an affair. Yeah. That was kind of bizarre. Like, that doesn't really go anywhere. No, but again, it's hard because I feel like they were just throwing shit. Okay, that sounds uh, dismissive. I'd say they had a lot of things in mind yeah. with the hope to extend it to probably at least two seasons because I don't know how you'd wrap everything up. In, in two. In, yeah, in two altogether. Yeah, so I think it was just a thing of, oh, we have all this time. And then it was like, oh, no, actually, we don't. You yeah. know what I mean? yeah. I don't know. I, I like that is the thing. I would love to know. I really want to know how they kind of. I, I suppose again, the interesting thing about it is is how they, you know, get together as a community and how they're kind of setting up their own political system and stuff like that. Mm. And I would love to see how that goes because they also end on a cliffhanger on that. Like, are they going to revolt? Are they going to sorry? Are they going to revolt? <laughs> are they start sending each other money? Weird. <laughs> Weird. Have you signed up? You know, um, <laughs> I can get fifty euro for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it can go in so many different places as well. The Pied Piper had so many different endings to it. Mm. So if they're still going on that trajectory as that as their story, um, it could go pretty much anywhere. We talked about the death that happens kind of fairly early on in the season. And honestly, I was gooped. I was, there's a couple of like genuine gas moment, gasp moments got for me. This was the one. Obviously, Cassandra, who's played uh, by Rachel Keller, she was kind of established as the protagonist, natural born leader. I mean, does really well in school. The jocks and like the fucking cool boys don't seem to really like respect her. But she's the only one with the head and shoulders. Yeah. And it's like, right, let's put a system in place, whatever. She's this younger sister. They all go to prom. Every good show has a prom episode as well, I will oh, say. Yeah. Classic. Loved this. Um, after prom, she is shocked and dies. <laughs> Gagged, gooped. I was like, oh, what the fuck are they going to do now? She's the only one with literally a brain cell between any of them and any practicality. She also had this kind of burgeoning love story with their man Gordy who was researching heart defects because she has a congenital heart defect and like skipped her check up to go on this trip which again that's another insane plot point at the start that I was a bit like really? But yeah. anyway how did you rate her as a leader? Did you expect the death and what do you think would have happened if she hadn't have died or do you think her death was potentially inevitable? I think it was inevitable Um I mean Again, because in this world, it's America, they have guns. Um, so they oh have boy, to... Oh boy, do they have guns. Oh boy, do they have guns, exactly. And they have to come to... They do come to an agreement, though, after this shooting, that they're going to take all the guns from everybody um, and kind of hoard them and keep them away so that they're a gunless society. Because, and again, that could be some sort of political commentary on America. I don't know. But yeah, I thought that murder was inevitable. I was shocked by who did it because the character wasn't really too in, in the fore. Um... But again, really clever because your man who kills her, well, actually, we'll come back to that. But the, the, man, the man you're led to believe kills her, or the, the boy, essentially, is this fellow Dewey who, like, hangs around with the jocks, but is very much a minor 
background yeah. character and they're like he's not really a leader and he his motivation for killing her seems to be off the back of a conversation that he has with the rest of these other lads in which they're basically giving out about her as a leader and making like really horrible misogynistic comments about her and one of the lads is like we, it would be better if she was dead like I'd love to kill her essentially that's massively paraphrasing yeah. but yeah like to the crux of the point so he Dewey offs her then to like impress your man Harry and to be like well she's gone now you can be the leader and it'll be so much better now because she's dead like full we see the full kind of transformation into what is essentially an incel even when he is inevitably convicted and stuff which again those scenes are very harrowing again it's that good balance of like you hate that character Dewey but seeing his you know, conclusion is also very difficult. There's a lot of like moral quandaries for yes. the viewers as well as the characters in that. I just thought that was very, again, it goes back to that thing of touching on a lot of societal issues without feeling like really cheesy. It's just very well done and very believable. Like I've no, well, thankfully I don't know any of these people, but I know <laughs> they exist. Like, yeah, and I know yeah. they're online and I know they're offline. So I know they exist in real life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like Dewey, the character... I think he does play it really well. Um, like he, I suppose it was inevitable that she was going to be killed. Mm. And again, I don't know if I would have expected it to be him. I suppose it does make sense. I mean, everyone thought it was going to be Campbell because he is literally the worst person in the society. He might as well have evil tattooed on his forehead. Honest like he's God. just, and fair play to that actor as well because he just like personifies it. His name is Toby Wallace. He like, looked so, he, like he menacings. Fair play to the hair and makeup team as well, like because whatever they did, he's just he, he kind of looks like a, wolf, a werewolf. Almost. Yeah, like he's got that kind of yeah. But yeah, Dewey. I mean, whatever what happens to him in the end, like they have to kind of reckon with their own moral compass in terms of they've convicted him and now they have to deal with him. And you see Ali, who's Cassandra's sister, mm. going through a lot of kind of like, what do I do with him? Um, she's taken over uh, yeah. interimly as leader and kind of mayor or whatever. Yeah, after Cassandra dies. And so many like, um, it's so unethical of her to be the judge of her own sister's murder case. Yeah. Uh, let's just say, but um, she has to kind of reason with herself and figure out and everyone's pressuring her to kill him mm. to execute him and we do see this scene which again is just so and what like what would you you, you see yourself in that situation almost I think that that's a really good thing that the show does is because you are going to relate with one or some of these characters in some way you could put yourself into their shoes but just seeing these guys you know they're all kind of they're ready. To, they have to execute him. They have to kill him. Um, there's vomiting. You know, it's all horrible. The shots go off, he, he, but he survives. So we see Ali herself just taking the gun and she's like, it has to be done. It has to be done. Um, and I feel like that was something, again, she had to do to kind of keep that upper hand mm. and kind of show people like, you can't go around, we can't go around murdering each other. Um, we have to try and build what we have and and stay safe and I think that was a key thing for her to do but that was such a pivot for her as well I think in her character um, to go from being someone who was so afraid to being the person who now actually had to carry out an execution mm. What did you make of her as a leader? Oh, I mean she again it was natural that she was going to step into her big sister's shoes Kind um, of a poison chalice though because the, again yeah. the, the show makes it very clear that they're very different even as sisters and Ali's a bit wilder I think slightly younger yeah I don't think there's much between them that she always felt she was living in Cassandra's shadow and Cassandra didn't even kind of initially put her in a leadership position when they did start to establish yes the society yes I don't know like I found it I found it initially very hard to warm to her and then as it went on you can see like 
she struggled so much with the decisions and then also putting myself in her shoes I would know what to do with that power it's yeah. so difficult yeah like she has almost absolute power over the community over the society because she then sets up this thing you know they just they have like a committee on going home which I think is really great and they go off out to try and find out not only what's happening um with regards to where they are, like, can they get out any further? Can they find land to farm? But also trying to figure out what actually happened. So they go and research and they, you know, they're, they're like, oh, the moon should have been this place or this place on a different day. And also they, the guy comes up with the idea that they're, they're in a parallel universe. But because she kind of has that absolute power, she has this guard who kind of do her dealings for her and, um, and she finds it as well hard to discipline them. I mean, there's a scene where they arrest a girl and she gets her period and they make her change in front of the guards. And, you know, they, they complain, but she won't punish them for it. Mm. So she does kind of, I wouldn't say become corrupt, but I think people get so fed up with living by these rules. And you would get a bit, I mean, you would get a bit annoyed. They all start eating communally and they all have to start doing work rosters and stuff like that, which these are very privileged kids. They were had no you know, they probably had never had to cook a meal for themselves or do their washing or any of that sort of stuff before. Mm. And now they're finding the situation where they have to do it. So they're trying to like revolt against her. Um, Only one of the characters is kind of ever put forward as being from like an underprivileged background. That's Ali's love interest. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Um, and he's with Kelly as well. And you never know whether like he's kind of between the two of them for the whole season. Yes. Um, Will. Will. Yeah, Will is the only one who kind of comes from an underprivileged background and he did speak before about how he was an orphan and now and he was like but now everyone's an orphan so I'm on even even footing with everyone else mm. the only thing that the show doesn't really deal with I think is the issue of race like they go I was going to say that yeah. and like in some ways it's very diverse and then in other ways it's still a bit like initially I was like I cannot tell the difference between these the three white lad jocks I was like you could be a Daryl yeah. okay any of you could be anyone at any point like yeah. a lot of them do blend into the one person I think Will is the only person or character even and I suppose there is another one is it Kelly is her name or Lexi yes yeah um, and she is the only other person of colour but there's no like there's no there is a, you know the topics of homophobia and misogyny like you said Um domestic violence there's so many little things that are touched on but race isn't one of them mm. which I do think probably is a letdown if the show is supposed to be and again I don't know but some sort of political commentary on yeah. America um, I think that would have been a huge I think that was a huge um, oversight yeah who do you think is Becca's baby daddy because as we mentioned she doesn't say who it is throughout and we're kind of left to assume and Sam kind of steps into the position of father figure and anytime she's asked about who the father is she gets very kind of confrontational and is very much adamant that she's never sharing that do not ask her who do you think it is yeah I don't know because half me thinks well maybe it's one of the boys that's there but then I'm like it could be an older man yeah like that's that's where my thought is going like if they want to they might want to touch on those sort of issues and again they don't really have because there's no adults there there's no real like it's touching on these teenage issues like teen pregnancy again is one of the ones that they get to cover um, without having the kind of the, the complex nature of adults so I don't know if they're going to be saying that it's it's an older man and that's something that they want to touch on that could be something else like grooming that they might want to go into mm. I don't know Um I would like it to be somebody if we get a season two when we get a season two when, manifesting don't say when manifesting, we need it yeah. when we get a season two I would love to find out that it's somebody that's there yeah. and to see how that relationship will go, especially with um, Sam yeah. now stepping into that role. Yeah. 
it seems so unlikely, but I was reading a couple of things that suggesting that maybe it's Campbell, but like I'm like, how? You yeah. Know? Yeah, if I if it was Campbell, I Unless could see her being like, don't awful, ask me. Yeah, I don't want to admit awful, to that. horrible course of situation again, which yeah. again I'd imagine they wouldn't shy away from, but I'm like, I'm not sure I want to I just want I just want Becca to have a nice life with her yeah. with her baby and, and her house and her, her, yeah. her gay best friend, yeah, husband, exactly. father. Oh, that divine, would be nice. Divine. Um, I don't think much of them went on to do... Your one who plays Ali, Catherine Newton, she was in Pretty Little Liars. I never watched that, so kind of went over my head. But it just occurred to me, uh, your man who plays Grizz, Jack Mulhern, was in Mayor of Easttown. And I couldn't... I was, it was wrecking my head because I was looking at his face. I was like, why do I remember you? Mayor of Easttown. What a show. I need to rewatch that. I've never seen it. Oh my God. You need to. Especially with your interest in crime. Okay. It's very good. Okay, I'll give it's it a go. It's genuinely, and I need them never to reboot it and never do a second season because that first season is perfect. And Kate Winslet deserves everything in the world. See, that's She's the just thing. flat out vaping in it. Just, it's so good. What if they do a second season of The Society and it's shite? Then I'll just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Um, the other only other one as well was Olivia de Jong. She played Elle. She went on to play Priscilla in the Elvis movie. Yeah, I was like, your Looking face like, is yeah. irritating, irritating me in the sense that I can't place you. Oh my God. Yes. There you go. Yeah, and then Sean Birdie, who played um, Sam Elliott, he was in a TV show I used to watch called Switched at Birth. Okay, interesting. Yeah. It's, what it, happens in that bar? <laughs> the obvious. Yeah, so he is best friends with one of the girls who was switched at birth. <laughs> okay, okay. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, a lot of decent reviews for this. Like Rotten Tomatoes, is a, it is an 86% approval rate. I know Rotten Tomatoes isn't the be all and end all, but yeah. uh, in terms of critical consensus, it says, an intriguing tangle of mystery and melodrama, what the society lacks in levity and at times clarity, it makes up for with its surprisingly thoughtful exploration of community, culture, and what it means to grow up. And then another review that I pulled from Stylist that I caught, thought kind of best encapsulated what works so well about it is, uh, they wrote, uh, but what elevates the society above other teen shows is the way it takes those stereotypical characters and makes them so much more by having them grapple with gender politics, power dynamics, mental health and more. The show confronts domestic violence and coercive control, death and the nature of punishment and of course, what it means to have to grow up rapidly. Yeah. Like Nail on the head, I think. I, absolutely. Like that is, again, one of the, like there's so, there is just so many in, interesting facets to this. Um, but the idea of them as well, coming from this real privileged uh, they're not overly privileged, but they're, they are privileged to an extent. Um, and having to sort of deal with not having parents anymore. And I suppose as well, there's a lot of sad moments where Ali is has called her mom and is leaving voice notes and stuff like that, or voice messages for her. Because um, at this point, like, well, they, uh, presumably if they're in the parallel universe, the parents think they're all dead. Yeah. But they're not. But then it's also like, oh no, but your other daughter is actually dead. She got shot because some lad was just decided he hated women perfect like yeah that's hard. like again like if they go back to reality how how are they going to get there like if it is a parallel universe they may never yeah I would kind of love a season two where it's they're still figuring it out and eventually they do figure it out and they get back and then season three is them kind of trying to readjust but it turns out they never can yeah and it's really hard not yeah. that I'm wishing ill on these poor characters they've already been through so much but yeah that's that's how I would kind of see the show go and hopefully reach its yeah. climax because the one thing I will say is as much as I'm frustrated about where a lot of the stories were left I'd kind of rather have one and done good season which they achieved as opposed to dragging the arse out of it which I know kind of happened towards the end with Lost again not one I watched I will eventually uh, I know Manifest is one as well that yeah. is 
nearly nearly finished potentially already finished but if it's not it's imminently about to finish and again it's a similar story they're on a plane and they fly through a kind of weird fucking cloud and then when they when the flight lands it's like however many years later but the people on the plane haven't aged yeah very bizarre apparently it's like incredible like shit TV so I we probably start, will do it for flat culture at some point I watching it and I again it was one of the things I just couldn't really finish it mm. um, I just was like this is so bizarre like I don't really like sci-fi never really watch anything like that or like not really into fantasy or anything like that so I was surprised that I loved this so mm. much because it's not realistic at yeah. all <laughs> but um, I think as well like if there was a season to like you said it would be great to see that and I think in Manifest you see that as well how they have to come back and kind of readjust to life mm. um, and there's some people that don't believe they're like what do you mean you were on a plane and now you're here five years later um, and, but I think it would be interesting to see how they would cope with I suppose the trauma of it all but also having to go back to being just a teenager yeah after being in you know, such a powerful role or whatever it might be. Yeah, and be. having no supervision and just being allowed to run amok to and having your you mom want. and dad be like, no, you literally cannot leave the house because what if you get sucked into a fucking <laughs> parallel universe again and I think you're dead. It's understandable. Like, Imagine how traumatic it would be. Your child is missing and then they're, they come back and they're like, oh, I was just in a parallel universe. I was in a parallel universe shagging all around myself waiting to execute something like it was a mad one. Watch like yeah. just yeah. bizarre. Have you convinced anyone else to uh, watch this or do you know anyone else that has? Yes. I bring this up at every chance I can get. I'm Perfect. like, have you Brilliant. seen the society? Have That's you exactly know? why I invited you on yeah. this podcast. Yeah, every chance I get, I'm like, the society. Um, t- yeah, my friend, like two of my friends have watched it since and are also obsessed and understand mm. why I'm so into it like it's just so good mm. it really does have everything yeah it really does uh, your man that he directed a couple of the episodes and he was on board with the creator of it so it's Christopher Kaiser is the creator of it, and he was actually the co-creator of Party of Five which would have been a big I'm not sure it really translated over here but like huge in the States and it was actually where uh, what's your one's name who plays Sydney Prescott in the Scream franchise? Neve Campbell. Um, that's where she got her break from. Uh, but Mark Preston Webb, he's a director on some of the episodes. And I was like, why do I know that name? Uh, he actually uh, directed 500 Days of Summer. It was his directorial debut, which we see <gasps> in the society. Yes, At one do. point, someone is watching it. Um, and he also did the Spider-Man reboot with uh, Andrew Garfield. So he did the two of them and then developed... The most recent one with Tom Holland, No Way Home, where they all come back. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but also it came out like 2019. I don't care. I don't care. Superhero people. But yeah, also directed a video for Snow Patrol before. So there's your, there's your Irish connection. Maybe wow. that's how we get in. Maybe that's how we get in. You get to go through him and go back. But like, does just, someone have a contact for someone in Snow Patrol that surely can be like, hey, I actually don't give a fuck about any of you, but can you give me a contact for Mark Webb? Because I really, I, I need like, even just the scripts. I need an email back saying what was going to happen to every person. Fine. Yeah. Perfect. Done. Oh my God. Yeah. And I feel like because the script was already written, it, it has to be from there an easy enough task to go to other networks. Like, yeah. I don't know anything about television production, but it can't be that hard. Yeah. Do we know anyone that can hack computers? Like I have tried, I think at the, I remember hacking at the beginning. Their computers, no, perfect. not hacking their computers. At the beginning when I realised season two wasn't coming back, I was fuming. I was up though. I was like, this is the only thing that was getting me excited for like, you know, during COVID. Mm. I was like, this is coming back. And they announced then in like the August that they weren't bringing it back and I was so upset and I was like, oh, I'm just going to rewatch it. So it's like my go-to show. I rewatch it a lot. Like, especially because I think the first time I watched it, I was really sick. Um, so anytime I like have a flu or something, like, I know what I'll do for a little comfort show. Um, but I remember I think trying to find the writer on 
Twitter, but his DMs were locked or something, so I couldn't get hold of him. And then I was like, maybe I should write him a letter. And then obviously being an adult got in the way and I just never got right into it. But I would absolutely be up for starting a petition. Okay, perfect. Now's the time, I think. Now's the I time. think now is the time, yeah. I think maybe one of the other reasons why it flopped that I'm, I think we've kind of touched on was its positioning as a teen show. And I think Netflix's reputation for, they produced a lot of good like teen content, but like with the good has been so much bad shit. Even if you look at what happened to Riverdale. And I know that was based on like different <laughs> like IP and stuff like that. But the way that went so badly off the rails, they actually even, there's a line where they take the piss out of Riverdale in this, which I appreciated. Um, <laughs> But I wonder, was it that as well? I wonder, was it people seeing this and like seeing the predominantly kind of young adult cast and being like, this is not for me? Because to be honest, that's that's the 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 reaction I had when I started it. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And as I said, episode three, I was like, I need to know everything about this. Yeah. I'm so hooked. What's going on? But I can imagine it would have been a barrier for some people. What do you reckon? I do think that will be a barrier. Absolutely. I mean, I'm the opposite. I absolutely love... T- like a YA teen mm. drama like a bit of high school drama I love it yeah. um, so that's probably what drew, drew me into this as well um, and I did go into it as well with this complete like mm, I'll just give it a go and yeah. just binge the whole thing but I do think it would have served better for an adult audience mm. um, if there was some sort of you know sale to the adult audience and as well but because they wanted just to be teenagers like how, like there's no way that they kind of can sell it to, to that audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, unless they did some sort of incredible marketing around that, like you're not going to, if you're an adult and you don't really like watching teen dramas, you're not going to watch it at all, unless I suppose it would market you or you've been told this is actually not just teen drama. It's it's very good. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much room to like have fun with the marketing around this, you there know. There is. There really is. Okay, I think we should start drafting the letter. I think we need to get off this podcast and start putting pen to paper to I convince really Mark Webb to sort of shit out. Uh, Clodagh, it's been such a pleasure. You have to come back because you had a few other options for musical flaps that I we need to dig our teeth into yes. at some point. Where uh, can people find you in the meantime before you come back? Uh, they can find me on Crime World uh, with Nicola Tallon. So I produce that and I'm also a guest on it sometimes. They can find me on Instagram, Clodamini and TikTok, Clodamini Crime. Stunning. Claude Mini, thank you so much for joining me on Flop Culture to talk about the society. Thank you very much, Fanula. Big thanks again to Claude for joining me. I'll leave all of her links in the description. Don't forget to check out Beast, The Murder of Nora Sheehan, wherever you listen to podcasts. A lot of good work gone into that series. Finally, top of the flops. Let's go. You're a flop. Top of the flops this week. Haters might say it's fake, but it's not. It's Justin Timberlake. My God, that man has worse timing than a fart of the funeral. I'll tell you that right now. He is, he's on the comeback trail. He's back. I think this was why he was even bothering his whole dicking around with NSYNC doing children's songs about trolls, about famous trolls, about singing trolls. Don't, don't explain that movie to me. I don't care. Don't get in touch with me. I don't care. Anyway, he's back. He's on the comeback trail. There is new solo music coming from Mr. Justin Timberlake this year. The first song is called Selfish. It will be out by the time this podcast is out. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, unfortunately. Uh, out on the 25th of January. It's coming with an album. The album is called Everything I Thought It Was. And it's his first album since 2018's Man of the Woods, which safe to say was a flop. And not even in the fun way. That album was bad. I actually think I reviewed it for No Encore at the time. And I think at the time, I was way more generous about that album than I should have been. That it was just like, 
And it was an advert for Timberland boots, you know what I mean? And and walking, do you know what I mean? And hiking and fleece jackets. That's all it was. There was no, there was nothing, no substance to that album. I'll tell you that right now. But go back and listen to my review on Noah Encore if you're really interested. His first album since then, he did a hometown gig in uh, Memphis on Friday Just Gone. He is the upcoming musical guest on Saturday Night Live. He's teasing this record with his reptile co-star, Benicio Del Toro, doing this whole kind of funny, like... (sighs) I'll send a clip to Adam to put in because it's just... It's a bit... Like, Benicio Del Toro is narrating this thing and it's like, here's a car. There's Justin. What the fuck is he looking at? It's supposed to be like real... But look at the lads. And they're so self-aware and it's just... Nothing has ever screamed more or lack of self-awareness. This whole rollout, I think it's so, it's so, so strange. What do we have here? Ooh, that's a nice car. Wait, it's a model. Did that say JT? Okay, that sunset is definitely not real. Ah, there's Justin. Why wouldn't he turn around? What the f*** is he staring at? He's been working with Timbaland on this album, which kind of gives me hope. But I don't know. Look, I feel like every week on this podcast, I'm like, I'm a big believer in forgiveness. I'm a big believer in, you know, granting people the grace of being able to change and recognizing change and recognizing mistakes and stuff like that, right? My issue, I'm taking this from a purely PR perspective. The dust has not settled on the release of The Woman in Me, Britney's autobiography, in which Justin, not painted in a good light whatsoever. We talked about it on the podcast previously. There's claims in that book that he pressured her to get an abortion, ended the relationship by a text message, and painted, kind of unfairly painted her as this villain, right? Now, I will say, there's two sides to every story. Everyone has, has a perspective. Some of that, incredibly jamming, right? That wasn't that long ago. I'm not good at maths. I think that's less than six months ago that book came out. I'd be pretty sure. I'd be pretty confident. I I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what his people are thinking. I think there could have been a way to pull off a comeback with more time, with more space, with a bit more separation. I think this is incredibly risky because if you're even to look at the comments which are restricted on his posts actually I think that comment was deleted um there was a comment uh oh no it wasn't deleted I thought I I was trying to look for the comment that I'm specifically referencing but it just seems to have been like buried under kind of more positive comments uh, about the album and also people being like please for the love of Christ don't do Man of the Woods again Lots of comments. We cancelled you when the book dropped. Nice try. I'll pass as have lost all respect for this man. Someone just commented, keep it. I like it. That's to the point. I mean, oh my God. Someone commented, inspiration evermore, Taylor Swift. Lol, because the picture, the the, the artwork for Selfish is him. It's his back and he's facing out onto a, a sunset scene. Guys, how do I tell the Swifties that Taylor Swift didn't invent standing or facing away from the camera? Can someone else tell them? Perfect. Enjoy that responsibility. Look, I don't know. Will I be listening? Yeah, out of morbid curiosity. Of course I will. I'm a journalist, guys. I'm committed to my job. That being said, not being funny, if this man's going to give me another future sex love sounds, 
we will be streaming, girls. And you will never take that album away from me, no matter what has happened, what is said. Well, actually, um, well, mm, 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 actually, I better interrupt there in case something incredibly horrible happens. Future Sex Love Sounds. I need to get someone on to a Bop Culture episode of that on the Patreon because, oh my God. Damn Girl featuring Will I Am. Excuse me. Summer Love. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. If you haven't listened to that album, go listen to it. It's, it is brilliant. It's a brilliant pop record. You know. Sometimes he has it. Sometimes he has it. What can I say? But I don't know. Flop behavior from his team and kind of him if he thinks he can get through this unscathed without kind of falling to his knees and actively, I don't know, being a little bit more apologetic than he already has been and being forthright and being apologetic and not feeling like, oh, this is so annoying that I have to keep apologizing. Nah, keep apologizing. You have a lot to apologize for, you know. If you'd apologize properly the first time, then maybe you wouldn't have to keep apologizing, you know. Anyway, that is it from us here at Flop Culture. Thank you so much for listening would you like more episodes? Well, you can get them. They're on patreon.com forward slash flop culture. We've had a lot of new patrons, big fans of Owen Keane. Obviously, Owen Keane's on last week. We were going through the recent award season. Maybe go back and see how right we got the Oscar nominations. Um, he is on this month as well, talking about Saltburn. And we did a midi sold myself and Kira Galici on the end of the Kim Kardashian Hollywood game. And I have a few other episodes due out this week and before the end of Jan, so stay tuned for them. Hello to new patrons. We've got Kira A. Hello, Kira A. How are you? Hello, Deirdre C. Thanks for joining. Really appreciate it. And also Maria H. Thank you so much for being patrons. I really massively appreciate it. And I hope you're enjoying the content. If there's anything you want to hear, it's at flapculture underscore pod. It's helloflapculture at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening, I'd love a rating. Thank you to whoever gave the two reviews on Spotify to bring me up to 250 reviews. That's most pleasing to me, but I'd love more. I'm so greedy. I'm such a greedy girl. Five-star reviews, much appreciated on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you leave one on Apple Podcasts with your nickname, I will give you a personalised bop or flop recommendation for you on next week's episode, at the end of the episode. I mentioned social media. We're there already. Some of the episodes, you can watch them on YouTube at Fanula J. Go watch. If you are a visual learner, that's okay. We have something for you there. As mentioned, this has been Flap Culture. It has been edited by Adam Shannon. I've been your host, Fanula J. I'm so excited to see you next week for more. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.